helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Welcome to this episode of the Life Transformation Show. Today's show is titled, Five Signs of a Healthy Marriage. How do you know if your marriage is healthy? Is it a feeling? Does it mean that your marriage is unhealthy if you don't have those warm feelings of love that you had during courtship? Is it an absence of conflict? If there is conflict in your relationship, does it mean that your relationship is unhealthy? In today's show, Five Signs of a Healthy Marriage, I will be discussing five areas of couples' relationship that are pillars of a healthy relationship. If you are struggling in one or more of these areas, it means that your relationship needs help and could deteriorate over time if these areas of weaknesses are not addressed. There are many misconceptions about what it means to have a healthy relationship. If we use the example that I, or the question I asked earlier about the absence of conflict, some people may believe that if you have an absence of conflict in your relationship, then it's a healthy one. But that's far from the truth. An absence of conflict could mean that the individuals in the relationship no longer care about what's happening. They no longer have the passion to argue or to try to make it better. Conflict can be a sign of trying to work out difficulties. So today's show, we're going to be given information. We're going to be clarify, clarifying misperceptions, misconceptions about what a healthy relationship is, and we'll be given some tools, some ideas that can help to make your relationship better. As usual, we will be using a mixture of biblical and psychological literature to discuss this very important topic. If you are new to this broadcast, we are on the air every Monday morning at 9.30, and you can find out more about us through our website, elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. You can also call us at 613-699-1677. So here we go, the first of the five important pillars the five signs. The first is oneness. Oneness is defined as the fact or state of being unified or whole, though comprised of two or more parts. In Genesis chapter 2.24, we have these words, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be unified to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It was God's intention for there to be unity in a marriage relationship. And this principle of oneness is one of the most important areas in a marriage. 
where there is a sense of disunity, where there is yours versus mine, or my interest versus your interest, there is a there is an important element that is missing. And over time, if this is not corrected, it will lead to the deterioration of the marriage. In a study that was published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, researchers found that the way couples react to each other's good news, for example, either with excitement, pride, or indifference, was crucial in forming a strong bond. And so they found that in relationships where partners acted disinterested or with with a sort of apathy to the good news of another partner, that over time the couples studied in this research, they found that couples had this tendency to fall apart if this area is missing, if there is not this sense of positivity in hearing about the good news that your partner is sharing with you. That is an example of oneness, you you see, because if you are one with a person, when that person is succeeding, you are succeeding. When they share good news, you are happy. But in some relationship, there can be the sense of competitiveness, where you are getting ahead in life and I'm feeling sorry for myself, because there is not this feeling of oneness about the relationship. And so if this is missing, a person may not have the ability to rejoice at the success of their partner. We, we find an example of a couple that wasn't unified in the biblical marriage of Isaac and Rebekah. This sense of oneness was missing, mainly because the, the couple had different ideas of how God should be working in their relationship. You see, Rebecca, when she was pregnant with twins, she had this word from God. God spoke to her and told her that she would have twins, but the younger would rule over the older. And so she had this vision that the younger child who turned out to be Jacob would be the leader, would would be the, the child that would inherit the father's blessing. But Jacob had a different vision. Jacob's vision was based on culture. Jacob believed that according to the traditions of the time, the firstborn, even though they were twins, just the fact that Esau was born a few minutes before Jacob, that Esau should be the inheritor of the father's blessing. So you had this division that is at play in Isaac's and Rebekah relationship, this lack of oneness because they're pulling in different directions. Rebekah had Jacob as her favorite and Isaac had Esau. And this division turned out to be very costly to the family. 
And when, and so we, we know that whenever there is division in a couple's relationship, there is going to be problems in the long run. In the story of Isaac and Rebecca, we see that this led to this, to the breakup of the family, where Esau hated Jacob and Esau fled for his life. And there was this breakup of the family where Jacob lived in another country for 20 years out of fear of his brother. And Rebecca, who was the the key person involved in causing this split in the family, never saw her favorite son again for the rest of her life. So divisions and disunity comes at a very high cost. Is there areas of disunity in your relationship? Are there areas where you're not pulling in the, in the, in the same direction? For every couple that is listening to this show, I would suggest that you do an assessment of your relationship. Do you have common goals? Do you have common visions? Do you have common dreams for the children? Do you have common spiritual desires or goals for your relationship? And as you do that assessment, if there are differences, it doesn't necessarily mean that your relationship is in jeopardy. What will put the relationship in jeopardy is is if these differences are not discussed and worked through. Sometimes you might need a spiritual advisor to help you work through these differences. You may need a professional counselor. But whatever the case, do not ignore the differences. Isaac and Rebecca ignored the differences that they had. And we see that over time, it grew into a bigger and bigger problem and eventually led to the breakup of the family. So this sense of oneness, it's a very important principle in happy couples relationship. The second is trust. Trust is crucial to having a healthy relationship. We see that in the story of Jacob and Leah, that trust was broken. We find this in Genesis 29, that Jacob married Leah. But there was, there seemed to have been an irreparable breach of trust as a result of what took place on their wedding night. On their wedding night, Jacob was deceived into marrying Leah instead of Rachel. And so it seems that Jacob never got over this breach of trust. And so we come to Genesis chapter, uh, verse 31 of Genesis 29, and we are told that Jacob hated Leah. So there was a breach of trust within the relationship. Is there a breach of trust in your relationship? Have you discovered signs of infidelity? Have you discovered that money has been spent or used in a way that was deceptive or secretive? Is there something else going on in the relationship that has caused you to begin to not trust your partner? 
trust can be based on what's happening in the relationship at present or in the past in the relationship. And if there is trust that have occurred or lack of trust that has come about as a result of something that has happened in the relationship, it is very important for that to be dealt with. And there are specific ways that this lack of trust can be repaired. There has to be these key ingredients. So here are the key ingredients if trust is to be rebuilt in a relationship where there is either infidelity or or financial mishandling of funds or deception of any kind. First of all, there has to be an acceptance by the guilty party of the wrong that they have done. What I sometimes see that makes it very hard for trust to be rebuilt is that there is denial, there is minimization, and when there are there are factors like that that is being employed by the perpetrator, the person who broke trust. It is very, very hard to rebuild trust. So there has to be an acceptance of the facts as to how trust has been breached. And there has to also be an acknowledgement of the hurt that this has caused the other person. When the prodigal son went back to the father and he was thinking of his apology statement that he was going to give to the father, he acknowledged that, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And so this acknowledgement is crucial. What I find a lot of times is that the person who have breached trust in the relationship, they don't want to talk about what they have done wrong. They don't want it to be brought up. They feel it's a nuisance to hear the other person talk about their pain. But you see, as long as there is this tendency to try to silence the other person and not to fully acknowledge their emotions, trust will never be rebuilt. So there has to be acceptance. There has to be acknowledgement. But it also has to be an avoidance of whatever it is that led to the breach of trust. So if a person cheated, for example, they have to turn away from behaviors that can lead to suspicion. You cannot rebuild trust and continue in the same behavior. There has to be a sort of repentance or a turning away from the actions that led to the breach of trust. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Live Transformation Show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been speaking on the topic Five Signs of a Healthy Marital Relationship. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com or by calling 1-877-204-2914 where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Back to Michael. The fourth thing that needs to be in place for trust to be rebuilt is that there, there has to be accountability. 
You have to make yourself accountable to others. Maybe to mentors who are going to hold you accountable to make sure that you avoid the actions that led to the breach of trust. In relationships where it has been discovered that a spouse has been secretly using pornography as a way of 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 satisfying their sexual desires and turning away from their 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 partner accountability is necessary accountability having people in place that you can talk to about your temptations to relapse or talk to about your plans to avoid going back into this addictive behavior and so it is that accountability that is going to give the hurting partner the confidence that you're serious in turning the situation around. But then there is another thing that is important to rebuild trust, and there has to be there has to be this allowance. In other words, you have to allow the person full access to your emails. To your phone records, and there should be no secrecy to your social media accounts. There has to be full allowance, full, there has to be this openness where this person, the person who is hurting, can feel that you have nothing to hide. So if you don't allow this, what will end up happening is that there will always be suspicion that you're hiding something. But if you become an open book and you allow, then you are demonstrating, I have no secrets, I have nothing to hide, I am an open book, and you can check whatever you want, you will find nothing wrong. What I find very strange is that there are people who are trying to rebuild trust and they still have this secrecy. Their cell phone has been hidden. Their partner cannot see what's coming up on the screen of their phone without them shielding it. And so it's it's going to be impossible to rebuild trust in this kind of a situation. So there has to be trust. And these, these five A's that I have talked about has to be present for trust to be rebuilt. And then the third important sign of a healthy relationship is reciprocity. And reciprocity is the opposite of selfishness. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10.24, we read, No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. So when we have this principle in a relationship where both parties are seeking the good of the other, that is an example of reciprocity. There is a give and take. There is, there, there is this attitude that I am here not to look after my own interests, but I care about my partner and I am interested in meeting my partner's need. In Matthew 7 verse 12, Jesus said, In everything then do to others as you would have them do to you. So reciprocity is this two-way street where both partners are doing to the other person what they would like. And when this is happening in a relationship, the relationship is enriched. There is, there is this, uh, there is this atmosphere in the relationship where both parties will be happy because their needs are being taken care of. So there has to be this 
principle of reciprocity in a relationship for there to be happiness. Where there is selfishness, then the relationship is in trouble, and it's only going to be a, a matter of time before the relationship falls into the state of disrepair. So relation re- reciprocity has to be in, in terms of things that you watch. It cannot always be your favorite movies. It has to be a give and take. Maybe tonight you will watch the the romantic uh, movies that your wife needs to watch, but then there should be other times when maybe there is time to watch the action movies that that the the male in the household needs to watch. So it has to be a two-way street. And so reciprocity is also in where we go. It cannot be your favorite vacation spot, or we cannot go golfing for our vacation when your spouse is not interested in golf at all. It has to be a two-way street. And the fourth sign of a healthy relationship is the quality of communication. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 15.1 that a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. And so, how do you communicate when your needs are not met? How do you communicate when you're hurt by something that your spouse did? In a study published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, the researchers found that if couples had arguments that were, were laced with sarcasm and mean jabs, that these kinds of couples tend to be headed for divorce. Likewise, John Gottman, who studied couples' relationship for many years, found that if there were these four signs or these four things in a couple's relationship that in the, in the way they communicate that the, the the couple was heading for a divorce. So if there is contempt, if you speak to your partner with contempt, meaning that you're using words that put down your partners, you're labeling your partners with words that make them seem worthless and no good, then that that form of communication is going to lead to a breakup of the relationship or a very unhappy marriage, even if you stay together. So contempt is one. The second is stonewalling. So stonewalling is where there is this withdrawal, where you don't talk to the other person, you give them the silent treatment because you didn't like something that they challenged you on or something that they said. And you will go for days without talking to that person. Or in some relationships that I have seen, it can be weeks without talking to the other person because you have been hurt by something that they said. This kind of attitude in a relationship is very troubling and create deep emotional scars that are very hard to heal. So it's important that you avoid contempt, you avoid avoid stonewalling, but it's also important to avoid defensiveness. If you're in a relationship where a person becomes very defensive, one partner becomes very defensive, if you try to talk about your needs, instead of listening, they come up with objections right away, then it's very hard to have healthy communication. So 
defensiveness is also one of those things that John Gottman talked about. And the fourth thing he talked about was criticism. If you're a highly critical person or you're in a relationship with a spouse that is very critical and it's always criticizing something that you do, that kind of communication is going to lead to a deterioration of your relationship. So when the Bible talks about a soft answer turns away wrath, it is actually saying avoid these kinds of way of communicating, communicating in love, communicate in love, communicate in a way that builds up the person and do not break them down. And then the fifth and final sign of a healthy relationship is has to do with sex. Sex is important. In a number of studies that have been done, it shows that couples who have sex at least one, at least two or three times a week are happier with their relationship. But regardless of the number of times per week, it's very important to have a discussion about the level of intimacy that would be satisfying for your partner. And so have this conversation Talk about what is needed. The Apostle Paul saw this as saw sex as being very important as well for relationships. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2 and onward, uh, Paul wrote, But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relationship with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time. And so the Apostle Paul is making it clear here that it is very important to nurture this part of your relationship. And I think if this is an area that is lacking in your relationship, it starts with a conversation. The Apostle Paul closed that section by warning that if this is not done, then then it will open a way for Satan to tempt you. And so I think many relationships fall apart because this area is not nurtured. Begin with a conversation about your sexual needs. Begin with a conversation that talks about the frequency that you desire. And as you approach that subject, keep in mind the words of the Apostle Paul and the importance that that studies have done have placed on sexual intimacy. So I know this is a very difficult area for a lot of couples to talk about, and so you might need uh, professional help to navigate this part of your relationship. I have a lot more that I could say here. I today, want to thank I'm you for listening to this of episode time. of the Life Transformation Show, and I would like to remind you that. We're on the air every Monday morning at 9.30. If you're not familiar with this Christ-centered ministry, you can find out more about us at our website, elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. 
If you have missed the first part of this show and would like to listen to the full podcast, you can find it on our YouTube channel. So just by searching Elim Counseling Services in YouTube, you will see this this podcast and over 300 more. We also want to remind you that we are a not-for-profit organization that counts on your support to stay on the air. So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services, praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.